Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Check it out. Hey, I'm McCoy here, and you are listening to the solar panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning and welcome to a midweek edition of the Sun's Solar Panel. I am here with Keith Smith, NBA. Keith has been a regular visitor on our show. God, I really appreciate you, Keith, because you're such a great cap guy. You really know your numbers. And we've got a very confusing situation here with DeAndre Ayton. It does not seem like it should be confusing, but then every time somebody throws out a trade idea, we, get, we shoot it down saying that, that won't work. Um, so my name is Dave King. Uh, for those joining us for the first time, this is the Sun Solar Panel. We cover all things Phoenix Suns year round. And uh, we are about three weeks away from free agency. And this is where uh, one of the Suns biggest available free agents is coming up uh, that may end up leaving the team uh, for the first time in years. And, and I've got Keith Smith here to talk through all of that. But before we start, into the rigmarole of DeAndre Ayton. I want to let Keith Smith crow a little bit because Keith is also <laughs> a huge fan of the Boston Celtics. And for the first time, the Boston Celtics has it been uh, with Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals three times before this year and came mm-hmm. up short each of those times. But now they finally broke through and got to the finals. How does it feel to be a Celtics fan right now, Keith? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. This season was uh, a little bit of a roller coaster. Uh, it started off not great. <laughs> um, they, they were not playing well uh, early in the year, and then they they you know really right around when the calendar turned to twenty twenty two, they they picked things up and really moved forward uh, from there. So it's been huge uh, for for them to finally break through and get get to the finals. They they were up one zero. They they. Get there, uh, you know. Uh, tails kicked a little bit in game two, but but you know we'll see. Now you know they they got the split on the road. They took home court advantage away. They're headed to Boston for game three, so yeah, we'll we'll see where the series goes from here. But you know, major uh, accomplishment just to get there. Absolutely. So the Celtics are in the finals. Uh, they're led by their their two headed stars of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but they have a ton of really good play and role players. What's really interesting, <coughs> excuse me, is that the Suns, or excuse me, the Celtics are a relatively young team. They've got Al Horford as their as their uh, long-tooth veteran leader, but really they're a relatively young team. And usually young teams play better at home than on the road. And yet throughout these playoffs, I believe the Celtics are better on the road than they are at home. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, well, it's... 
In general, yes. Now, some of that, uh, there was a short series in the first round. It was a sweep, so they they only got two home games there. But but yeah, they've been great on the road. They've also been uh, you know, really good coming back from losses. They're six and zero coming off a loss in these playoffs. So uh, that's been you know kind of the hallmark of this team has been their resiliency. In twenty twenty two, they have not lost back to back games except for one time, and in that uh, one situation, they punted the second game. They sat a bunch of guys for rest reasons. Uh, so they were, you know, really they they've been kind of no matter what happens if it goes poorly they bounce back very uh, big with the next go around. So it's uh, you know, well we'll see what happens here now with it switching back to Boston. But that crowd's going to be bonkers. This is the first finals game uh, they've seen since yeah. uh, 2012, or I'm sorry, 2010 uh, rather. So it's been, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be ready to go. They're going to be fired up. Yeah, that's going to be fun. That's going to be really fun. That next game is on Wednesday night, game three of the NBA Finals, and I believe that's on ABC. So uh, mm-hmm. check your local listings and make sure you watch that. Viewership is up, and, and this is this makes me sad, but the viewership is up like 30% this year because it's Boston, big market, Golden State, uh, six of the last eight times in the finals. Really fun team to watch historically. Uh, so TV viewership is way up over a year ago, um, even though it feels like everybody watched Suns Bucks a year ago. So good for you. Good for Boston. You know, um, I, I think- really hope you kick Golden State's butt. I really <laughs> want you to. And I, I, I appreciate that. I, I think that the TV numbers do. We have to factor in the fact that it's at its normal time in in uh, early uh, June versus being in in you know July, July. which was when well, NFL training were traveling, yeah, and and I I can tell you we were traveling during the finals last year. I actually right. watched the last uh, handful of games from from the road as my family was on our first uh, vacation in a couple years. So it it definitely helps that we're back on the normal calendar. That's a good point. A uh, good buddy of ours, good friend of the show, Justin, who who uh, co- co-hosts another pod. Um, uh, Suns pod fanning the flames. He actually missed the last four games of the, of the NBA finals a year ago because of a pre-planned vacation. And, uh, nobody thought people would be still be playing in July when, sure. when all this happened, they had, they had bought those tickets long before. Okay. Um, moving on to this year, the, uh, and, and my team, the Phoenix Suns, uh, we watched, uh, a, a weird, unexplainable still unexplained meltdown from the phoenix suns after going up 2-0 on the dallas mavericks they lost four of the last five games as an outsider keith across country watching the eastern conference playoffs you probably weren't paying any attention to the phoenix suns in the playoffs do you have an outsider's take on what the heck happened there no i was watching all those games and it was uh yeah i i feel like dallas figured some stuff out defensively that, that made the Suns have to really work um, for their offense, putting more size on Chris Paul and saying, hey, we'll kind of live with mismatches that may create other other spots. Like, I think that that was big. Uh, clearly, they uh, found a couple different ways to spring Luka. Um, they, they went uh, full on into their small lineups. Dwight Powell played the first couple minutes of each half and then, then was out, um, mm-hmm. never to be seen again uh, from there. And then it was just they, they I think, 
as the series went along, I felt they they looked like they were just outworking Phoenix um, on both ends of the floor, just you know really staying locked in defensively and getting after it. And that game seven was one of the more um, inexplicable games I've ever watched, where I've never seen a team come out like they just. It was. I, I don't want to say the Suns didn't want to be there because it's that that would be no. Weird. They play, I, I agree. That. They played like, like they didn't yeah. want to be there. Yeah, they 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 just you know that that was very odd to see that kind of um you know game and it looked like it looked almost like it was you know game four or five of a series when you were down and it's yeah. like all right we don't have it tonight let's just you know move on versus being in game seven that that that's one yeah. that'll stick with me for a while because I just I don't know that we're ever with everybody for a while yeah it's funny <laughs> of course uh because the season ended after that game uh we haven't really talked to the coach of the players much uh, they don't really do exit interviews, uh, team-wide exit interviews anymore in Phoenix. Uh, so all we really got was Monty Williams, Devin Booker, and post-game, Monty Williams, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, the, the usuals. Uh, and then the next day, only Monty Williams and nothing since. And um, Monty Williams was basically saying, look, man, we, we took all these accolades for – three years, you got to take all the crap right now and just, mm -hmm. just accept it. But really the players and the coach themselves had no answer for what the heck happened. Like you said, it felt like we've got tomorrow. We'll come back better tomorrow. felt like they had just, and, and it was over before it started. Mikel Bridges recently did an interview with uh, JJ Redick where he said it got real scary because you just, it just started snowballing and all of a sudden it was 30 points and there was no way to come back. And we had no idea what happened. Yeah. Um, and that was from his point of view. Uh, uh, obviously everybody had their own takes. There's unsubstantiated rumors about possibly COVID pre-diagnosed COVID. There's, there's unsubstantiated rumors about injuries that um, we haven't heard any, you know, any reports on surgeries or anything like that, but you know what? The Suns didn't make any excuses, but they also didn't make any apologies. And, and fans are really left to wonder what the heck's going on. One thing that did happen was DeAndre Ayton um, snapped at his coach during the third quarter of that game. And while that that is in a vacuum, in a void of information, that's being blown out of proportion and carried a lot. There's two things about DeAndre Ayton that are being blown out of proportion and carried longer than they should but because of the vacuum of an off season there's no new news information to to get over it right so 24-hour news cycle suddenly becomes a six-month news cycle or at <laughs> least a two-month news cycle until free agency um deandre Ayton did an interview with a magazine and basically said he gets two hours of sleep at night because he can't stop playing video games after his kid goes to bed and then Another um, situation where he got into an, a tiff with his own coach during the third quarter of that game when they were already down 38 points and his coach reportedly said something like, you freaking quit on us. And um, Aiden, you know, obviously uh, uh, shot back and said, well, I can't, I can't pass myself the ball, stuff like that. And now that's all being blown out of proportion. But it does leave a lot of us wondering what the heck is going to happen with DeAndre Aiden? The Suns did not re-sign him to an extension last year, give him an extension last year, because the only extension he was willing to entertain was the five-year designated max. Now this summer, he's a restricted free agent. He could be, uh, you know, he could sign with any team. Um, but there's a weird thing about his restricted free agency um, in that if the Suns want to do a sign and trade, where, look, if the Suns are fed up with him 
for reasons that have just built over time because he doesn't work consistently hard enough. If the Suns are ready to sign and trade him, the, there's a weird loophole um, thing called a base year compensation that's still in the collective bargaining agreement that makes it really difficult for the Suns to trade him for equal value. Can you give us a primer on that? And then we'll talk through some scenarios on whether how that hinders or helps the Suns. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Um, oops. Sorry. You still there, Dave? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. It's, I don't know what happened with my computer here. Well, let me get back to you, but there, there we go. I found you. <laughs> Sorry. A <laughs> uh, little, little technical challenges there for a second. Um, all right. So if we look at what I was trying to do is set up so I could toggle screens. Um, mm. So base year compensation used to be people may have kind of a, a base level familiarity with it because it used to be a, be a much bigger thing that um, uh, was, was involved all sorts of stuff and made making trades messy and things like that. Now where we're at with base year compensation is it is, it only applies in one specific circumstance and that's during a sign and trade. Um, what happens with base year compensation is if you use bird rights, so that's either full bird or early bird rights to re-sign a free agent and then trade them and the player receives a raise that's greater than 20% of their prior year salary and that player's team is at or above the cap when they do the re-signing, what that does is that triggers the base year compensation. And what happens in that situation is the player counts at either 50% of their new salary or their prior salary, whichever is greater. Um, that That's what they count at in the um in the trade now because there's there's a raise they're, they're always going to be um uh you know 50 of their their new salary you know just the way it's going to work out on that so just the easy way to think of this is if deandre gets something in the 30 million dollar range uh, in first year salary he will only count on the sun side as 15 million in uh salary matching and in a trade going out um now that where it gets tricky, that's normally like, okay, that's fine. We can work around that. He counts at the full salary on the incoming side for the other team. And basically what this is set up to do is it's not to eliminate sign and trades. It's just making it a little bit harder for teams to not just immediately, you know, re-sign a guy to this big, massive number strictly for the express purposes of trading him. You need yeah. to make it workable on both sides. Okay, so let's assume DeAndre Ayton gets um, in a sign-in-trade. There's a team willing to pay him his full uh, 25% of the cap, and so that's yep. just over $30 million, $30.7 million. Um, So counting for half of that is more than last year's salary for Ayton, so that would be $15 million. Tell me where the 18.8 comes in that I've heard that is a matching that's, that actually is what counts for the Suns going out. Yeah, so what I, I'm not sure where that exact number co comes from because what happens for the Suns, um, they would be. It, it all kind of depends on where where they land. Are they going to be at the time that they resign and trade him? Are they a tax team, um, or at the time that they resign and trade him, are they not a tax team? 
if they're if they're a tax team, then what happens is it becomes um, 125% of the 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 50% salary. Um, so right now that first year max projects to be 30.5 million. So I, I did everything based off of that. Mm-hmm. So you're talking Dayton counts at 15.25 million in trade. So what would happen there is then um, he would get the, um, that would be the, if they're a tax team, the 125% of that plus a hundred thousand. So that's roughly call it 19.2 million. That's where, okay. where that number would be. So there, there's your about kind 19 of, million. Yeah, yeah, right around that range. Now, if they're not a tax team, which there's ways they could get there to. Well, you see but does the tax back. team part include that signing? It does. Uh, yeah. So it's it's yeah. it's where you're at at the time you sign and then trade the player. So so yeah, what so happens? That would is put them. That would definitely make part. them a tax team unless they got rid of some players first. Yep. And and there's ways to do that, right? Because you could. Pay a team to take Dario Saric on first, sequence your moves so you're not a tax team. But if they're not a tax team, then what happens is because they're in that middle range of the trade rules and salary matching, it would be the outgoing salary. So again, 15.25 million plus 5 million, which Ah, is is that gets you to the 20.3 million or so um, in salary matching. So that's obviously more desirable if you can make it happen that way because it's you know about a million the guy you're trying to bring back yeah yeah exactly it's about a million more in in salary matching or so which that's that should never be the difference in a trade you ought to be able to always figure out a way to to make that balance off but that's the that's just deandre now you add more salary to that trade or anything like that, that starts to change your math in different ways and those kind of things. But the important thing to remember is you still have that roughly $15 million imbalance between Aiton, his his uh, value in a trade on the Sun side versus value in trade on, on the acquiring team side. That's why in these base year compensation deals, it generally is you're trading a player to a team with cap space or a team with a large enough trade exception. We can take the trade exception uh, you know, kind of out of the window for most teams because it's there's only a handful that have the ability to take that in at that number um, at 30 million. Nobody has a trade exception that big. So you're really talking about a cap space team. Or then you've got to get maybe a third team involved where you're rerouting some mm-hmm. salaries around. Because otherwise, in order to get to matching 30 million, you're gonna have to get you're going to have to send back so much money to the sun side that it can start to become unbalanced that way. So the, these base year compensation yeah. are very difficult to pull off. Okay. So let's, let's, let's use some scenarios to illustrate this a little bit. Let's take a real simple one. Clint sure. Capella uh, makes $17 million this year, this coming year. Okay. Um, and that would fit into either of the 125% of the plus 5 million rule. Could you do? Clint Capella is at 19.7. Oh, he is? Coming year. Whoops. Yeah. I thought I just did a, oh, that's for the wrong year. Gotcha. So let's, well, let's, that's okay. Then it's sure. not quite yeah. as simple, but let's yep. talk through it. Okay. So 19 million. Um, thank you for that correction. That puts him over the eighteen. Or that puts him over the nineteen. Whatever it is you're doing for the twenty-five. Yeah, they're about six hundred thousand short. Six hundred thousand short. So let's say the Suns are a tax 
team. And they're 600,000 short on the salary, you know, the ability to do that, to bring Clint Capella back. How would, how would either team make up that difference? What's an example? Yeah, that's where it gets hard because so if you're talking about Clint Capella by himself, uh, because the Hawks would also be a tax team in this this situation, he can only bring back about twenty four point six million. So now your challenge is they got to bring in a thirty million dollar player. So the easy thought would be, well, they add a six million dollar player to the deal, whoever that may be. Um, Who's they? The, the Hawks would have to in that case because they've because they can only match salary in a trade up to trading Capella by himself of up to 24.6 million. So again, you got to get to 30 for Eaton's match. Right. So they have to. What you're saying is in this Hawks trade, hypothetical Hawks trade, the Hawks taking in Aiden at 30, they cannot send out less than 24. Correct. Right, uh, twenty-four well, they, million. They 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 can't. They would have to send a thirty. You got to get to you know. You got to get to about well, what is that? Work out to about twenty-five million ish, in that range. Twenty twenty-four million. Yeah. 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 So um, and Capella himself only counts for nineteen point seven. Correct. So then the Hawks have to send out six more million, but the Suns yep. can't take that six million back. Correct. Let alone even take. So how would the how would would you how would you solve that? Would you spin that six million dollar player off to another team into cap space? That's, yeah, that's what you got to do. You got to find a team with an exception or a team that has cap space or something that's willing to take on you know, another player. Now, they I'm just just to make the math easy on yeah. this one. I'm not at all saying this is the way it would go, uh, but you would have in that case. Um, Onyeka Kongu makes just over $6 million for the Hawks. So you could add him to the deal. Now, here's where the other complicated factor comes in in all these great ideas to mm-hmm. sign and trade eight in the teams. All right, let's take a second to talk about our friends at DraftKings. Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? It's still a great finals, even though the Suns aren't in there. Golden State, Boston Celtics, they're going to go wire to wire. It's going to be a long series it's really fun to get in on the action with betting. Use DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets as these finals go along. Do parlays. Parlays are great. Who's going to make the first three? Who's going to make the first basket? Who's going to get the first rebound? You can parlay just about anything over under on total points per, for a player, things like that. Those are really fun. If you place a $5 same-game parlay, you can win over $5,000 to take home. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. If you're above the tax apron, you cannot do, you cannot acquire a player via the sign and trade. Right. So in that case, the Hawks would be well, well above the tax apron. So they would not be able to even do this trade. Um, they would not be able to acquire Aiton because you can't acquire a player via sign and trade once you're already over the tax apron. And that math is done at the 
end of the trade. So what you do is basically you process the trade. Where would this all fall out? You'd be above the apron. You can't do it. So okay. that's your other challenge in these trades. When So I'll give you an example without calling out the, the place where I was listening to it. Um, but there were a uh, very popular podcast was throwing out a million DeAndre Ayton signing trades. And I was literally driving my daughter to school or I might've been driving home from school, whatever it was. I think I was by myself and I was screaming in the car. That's illegal. You can't do that. You're just going <laughs> to confuse people um, because it's just like, it's, 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 you know, sign and trade DeAndre and the Brooklyn Nets um, was thrown out there or the Golden State Warriors or, you know, one of these teams that's, you know, a million miles above the tax apron. And it just, you know, that that's that any team that's already a tax team, just take them out of the mix because okay. it's not happening. Okay. So any team that's already a tax team. Now the apron is only like, what is it? 10, 12 million over the tax level. Six million. Like that. Six yeah, million. Roughly six. The apron's million, only six. Million. So basically any team that's a tax team cannot acquire a player that is signed and traded. So that yep. takes the, and that in this example, so the simple sounds like simple trade to acquire Clint Capella for DeAndre Aiden can't happen for several reasons. Yep. One, the Hawks can't even take him. Two, um, the Hawks would have to have to send out a $6 million player to even make their side of it work. And they're not going to want to do that just for cash, you know, cause they can't take anything back for that. It has to be a straight salary out. And three, um, Capella himself is over that, uh, over that little number that the Suns are allowed to, um, uh, yep. <laughs> take back. Now, if the Suns got themselves under luxury tax level yep. after post trade, then they could fit him. But, yep. um, but that's only if they gave up like a Darius Sarge for free. Yep. So not only are the Hawks giving up somebody for free, the Suns have to give up somebody for free. And, um, uh, and that's just to get Capella in and in a trade that can't even happen in that particular case. So let's move on to another. Yeah, well, scenario. one thing I do want to say with the, the Hawks too, the Hawks are sitting on uh, Danilo Gallinari has a large chunk of non-guaranteed salary. So they could get themselves under the apron, but that still doesn't necessarily mean you're going to clear all the necessary room you need because the other factor is you have to factor. We still have to fill out our roster. And in this case, we'd only have about six guys, seven guys under contract. We still have to fill out our roster. And then, you know, you run into to the issues, quite frankly, that the Lakers were in last year, which was we have a million guys, you know, um, signed here, but we had to fill them out with all, all uh, minimum contracts because we were so far over. Uh, you know the tax apron, so so that's where that gets gets a little bit bit tricky on those kind of things. Okay, so that basic that that layout for the Capella trade um, obviously doesn't work, but let's switch it over really quick to a Jeremy Grant. John Hollinger mm -hmm. wrote about Jeremy Grant possibly being acquired by the uh, by the Suns, and he he made it sound like it's real simple for the Suns to get to Grant's twenty million dollar number. Yep. by including a couple of extra contracts. Can you explain that? Yeah, so what would happen in that case is um, they, 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 they wouldn't even necessarily need to even go that route um, with, with the, the, the Pistons because what the Pistons could do is, one, they could just take eight men via cap space um, solely. And then on their side, that's, that's gets you there with the, the 30 million. Just yeah, slides they don't have any salary matching issues. Correct. Now for the Suns, 
because Grant and, and we're, we're remember too, the other important thing is none of this stuff can happen at the draft because Aiton's not, you can't sign and trade a guy right. at the draft. This all has to be next year. So we can't look at this year's salaries. We all have to look at, at the 22, 23 salaries. So Jeremy Grant's at 20.9 million. So if we go back just to, to, to remind everybody once again, yeah. um, where that's over our number, right? For the Suns. But because the Pistons could be sitting on 35 million or so in cap space, what the Suns could do is they could throw in Cameron Payne. Um, I'm, gotcha. I'm just using him as the easy one. Tory Craig, whoever you need so, to Okay. Do. So the only reason uh, that I'm sorry, but uh, it finally hit me like the light turned on because I was like reading the Hollinger thing and I'm like, no, but then it's because Detroit has cap space and they could take in eight and plus. And the Suns could just make up that $2 million difference with a plus because the Pistons are so far under. Now, how many teams are like the Pistons where they could take in an eight and plus and send back a $20 million player? Yeah, very, very few. Um, yeah. This year, uh, the Pistons project to have the most cap space at about $36 million or so. Um, the other teams that project to have cap space, you've got the Indiana Pacers at about $25.6. Orlando likely to have right around 28 million in space. Uh, the Spurs could have about 19, 20 million in space, could even get up a little bit higher than that if they wanted to. And then we'll see you know, where a team like Portland goes. If Portland decides to go the cap space route, they can get to a good chunk of cap space. Um, or we could see a team like uh, Memphis. Also, if they were to let their own free agents walk, they could get to about 20 million in cap space or so. But that's really kind of it without getting really you know, absurd and crazy. They're, they're, the one team that I will say, because it comes up all the time, that I did not mention there is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And people yeah. were always like, how are they you know, not there? They have contract extensions kicking in for guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander next year. Uh, Derek Favors picked up his player option to extend his deal another year. So they're going to actually likely, very likely be operating as an over-the-cap team. They also have three first-round picks. Those all add up and start to get expensive towards the cap as well. So so the, the, the Thunder are likely, very, very likely this year to be an over-the-cap mm. team. They're sitting on a mountain of cap space right now, and that'll probably get used up somewhat at the draft. And they'll figure things out, but going into next next season, uh, they're likely to be over the cap. Right, but that doesn't work for Aiden because Aiden Correct. cannot be traded until after yep. uh, free agency starts. Exactly. Okay, let's let's pivot. And then. if I can oh, do ahead. one last yeah. thing, because I hear this a lot with Aiden stuff, is it is extremely extremely hard to work out a sign and trade uh, thing that will have to happen in July involving one of this year's draft picks, one of those deals where we see it all the time where teams draft for yeah. another team and we go through the whole nonsense. So the guy puts the hat on and then it's like, he's never actually going to be on that team. This is kind of silly. And then we, we, we see the trade gets executed in July. That is with existing contracts though. Yeah. In a sign and trade, what could happen? Let, let's just, let's just say there was a trade worked out with the Orlando magic where DeAndre Aiden's going for the number one overall pick, and that's going to be you know what, what the, the base parameters of the deal are. Then let's say Aiden decides in July, I don't want to go to Orlando. I want to sign right. straight out with the you know, right. San Antonio Spurs. He screws that whole thing up. Now Orlando has drafted a player for Phoenix that 
maybe Orlando does doesn't even want themselves in Aiton's you know changing and it in it's it, it's always important to know that in a sign and trade the 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 reason why it's sign and trade and not trade and sign is the sign part the player has to agree they have to sign first so that's the, the player holds the power there over the team now the team has power as far as yeah I, I know you want to get to T-Max you know I I know you want to get to you know the Golden State Warriors but but we don't like any of the stuff they can send or it's not even possible or whatever um there but that that is just something to, to factor in and consider no absolutely the player that's 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 a very good point the um <clears throat> it's not trade and sign it's sign and trade so DeAndre Ayton has to want to sign with you know Correct. that offer sheet basically um yep. and but that doesn't give Ayton all the power because no would just match anything that they're not happy with the mm-hmm. trade offers for. And they're certainly not going to let him walk for nothing because there's Correct. no way for the Suns to replace that talent of player at all. Basically he would just be a complete minus if they let him walk. So they're not going to let him do that. Mm-hmm. They're going to sign, they're going to keep <clears throat> and then trade him next year. If they, Correct. if they really want to move on and that just, nobody wants that. So they're going to work together. I'm sure they're going to work together and find a mutual result or they're going to, work together and decide, you know what, we want to keep playing together. Um, mm-hmm. But let's pivot now. Let's pivot to another team or two. You mentioned the Indiana Pacers. Again, the Suns are not going to agree just to let him sign or outright to go with somebody else. Um, the Pacers have a center that the Suns fans have always coveted for some reason. Um, and he, I mean, obviously he's a good player, but he's got, he's got cap, you know, um, a cap on his, on his ceiling as well. But Miles Turner, let's assume health on Miles Turner. What could an Aiden for Turner trade look like? What what works? I didn't have a chance to pull up his salary yet, but I think he's right in that little window. Yeah, he actually fits. He's eighteen million flat, so he would actually fit in there. Now, if you're the Pacers, what well, what they can do is um, where it gets kind of interesting for them is you still have that salary imbalance. Where then, or right, that's eighteen million, but. Uh, Aiden comes in counting for 30 million, so that's a 12 million uh difference there. But what the Pacers have the ability to do, much the same as the Pistons, is they use some of their cap space plus the player to to make that work. So, what they would do is they would create their cap space, then they would use about 12 million of that cap space, um, and Turner's salary. That's how you match up to, to get Aiden to come in. What they would want to do is just time it up, which presumably the Suns would be amenable to because the Suns aren't using cap space or anything like that. Where what the Pacers would want to do is use whatever remaining cap space they have, 10, 12, 14 million, use that up, then complete this trade using the rest of it. But that sequencing thing stuff that teams always work together on. No, no, nobody blocks a deal because the sequencing yeah. doesn't work for them. They make it make it happen. So so that's definitely a possibility um for sure there where it could be you know Aiden goes we we it we works heard, you know yeah it works and we heard very credible reporting um that they were interested in in Aiden at the leading up to the trade deadline and uh, they obviously went in a different direction with the Kings but um I I I uh, feel like I get it to be a broken record with this at this time of the year but sometimes stuff that was talked at the deadline is it's too hard to make it work at the deadline, but then you set the groundwork so you can pick it back up uh, in the off season when rosters expand and there's cap space and all sorts of other stuff. So definitely possible that that, that could be the direction that it goes. That, that one could actually be as simple as a straight up deal because uh, Turner's salary fits within the, the, 
the uh, you know, little Aiden window there, um, you know, as well. Okay. And you have the benefit there of he's not so much more money um, that you're, you're probably not running into the hard cap and that. And if you are, you, you sort through that, you throw in, you know, again, I, I hate to, you know, uh, talk about players this way, but you throw in Tory Craig there if you needed to, or, you know, you move off. Another hey, hey, the somehow. Pacers liked Craig a year ago. Might take yeah. That back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well that one, actually that one wouldn't work. Right. Cause he can't be traded back. Cause it's, cause they traded for uh, this year. So, so that's, yeah. So, all right. So there's a the time frame on that one Is year, full year. Okay. Yep. It's not yeah, just end year. of season. It's full year. But so you throw in Cameron Payne and you, yeah, sure sort of your backup point guard situation elsewhere. Or, you know, you could even, you know, hey, you want to do a sign and trade for, you know, somebody, you know, maybe they want Aaron Holiday back and they 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 could go that direction or something like that. So but it's it's definitely possible you know, yeah. ways to get there. Cool. Okay. That's good. So that's interesting. So a Pacers one could work if the Suns wanted to go a simple uh, fairly simple route that way. Let me give you a more complex one again. Again, mm-hmm. pivoting back to test our understanding of what works and what doesn't. Um, I have a suggestion from uh, Riles Brogan, Riley Brogan on on Twitter. Aiden and Payne to Charlotte for Rozier, Kai Jones, and a couple of picks. Now, we already talked about the couple of picks part. That part's not going to work. But let's just pretend the Suns loved Rozier a couple of years ago. Now they want to bring him back into a three-guard rotation with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and they've decided that it's okay to have a bunch of 6-1 guys running around in the backcourt. Um, let's just pretend that the Suns want Rozier back or want Rozier now for the $21 million, uh, number, basically, in an Aiden. Can you aggregate salaries and make that work or, or what? So basically Aiden and Payne for Rozier and Kai Jones. Yeah, you could definitely aggregate salaries. There's no problem with that. You can aggregate salaries. You can do double sign-and-trades. It's all about what happens with the sign-and-trade. It's all about avoiding the hard cap and then making that base year compensation math work. So in that case, you've got Terry Rogier about $21.5 million, So obviously doesn't fit in the Aiton alone. But once you add pain to that, you're you're basically there. The challenge with that one comes in with, with the draft picks. That's where that, that becomes yeah, a, right. an issue. So that, that that's why you probably can't get there. Okay. But you could make that work by making up that difference by adding pain on the one side and Kai Jones on the other. Mm-hmm. What does Kai Jones matter in this case? Uh, not enough that I don't, I don't think it would, it would change the amount. Let me, let me look at it real quick. The, you'd be bringing in about 24.3 million. Um, on that side, you'd be sending out uh, Aiden's number was let's, let's just make sure we're right on this. Uh, is about that that changes there, so you'd be sending out about twenty one. No, you'd be fine. Okay. Yep. All right. Good. So there's one that could work if the Suns really wanted to do that. I don't want them to do that, but what if they did? Okay. Now I've got a weird. Um, a bigger one, but I just want to talk about concept because obviously you don't have time to break down the numbers, but there's a big three team trade suggestion by D coldest on Twitter, a three team trade involving the Suns, the Pelicans and the Pistons. So we already talked about the Pistons situation um, a little bit, but this is different players from the Pistons. It looks like uh, Suns, Pelicans and Pistons Suns get, basically they get Jonas Valanciunas from the Pelicans Devontae Graham, Hamadou Diallo, and a pick. Again, we talked about picks already. Pelicans 
get Aiden, Shamit, and Kelly Olinick, and the Pistons receive Hayes, Marshall, Craig, and a pick. Um, so let's so basically now the Pelicans are the ones getting Aiden. And they're swapping him out for Jonas, basically Jonas Valanciunas, with with salary uh, going each direction. Um, what do you th- w- does that one work? Yeah, I mean, they'd have to run all the numbers because that's a lot of players. That's a lot in- of players involved. Um, yeah, that's a lot of moving parts. So I'd have to look at it again. It, the, the picks part is where probably uh, you know what, what are the picks too? I guess just to have a full idea of it oh the picks um oh shoot my screen just froze wow i got a lot going on right now <laughs> um you got basically the sun's getting number five from the pistons and the pistons getting back number eight um i'm assuming from the pelicans yeah that's not there's the i mean that's not that value is just way off right like you're not getting valentunas who's a starting center Plus the fifth, like, how are you getting the fifth pick in the draft? <laughs> this is a Suns fan, man. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, that's you know, that's 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 you know, that that's one too. Where uh, even if the trade machine says yes, <laughs> that doesn't mean that you're probably getting a yes. Well, yeah, the tough that's... thing for Suns fans is that the trade machine doesn't consider the sign and trade per- perfectly yeah. uh, with DeAndre Ayton. So we're all just kind of guessing here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's basically, yes, that's a little bit too much. I'm not a big Jonas fan. Even the Pist- even the Pelicans didn't want to play him as much as they did in that last series. But anyway, I, that's something, yeah, you could make something big and complicated like that maybe work. But the bigger and more complicated they are, the more rare they are. Mm-hmm. Here's another request. John Collins. <clears throat> he makes $25 million. Um. But um, if you wanted to trade Aiton for Collins, could you just throw in like a, a Shamit? And again, this is Atlanta. Atlanta, again, we already talked about earlier yep. in this show, is not going to want to, cannot acquire a sign and trade because of the, uh, of the uh, tax apron issue. So that could not happen. Uh, but let's pretend they were under the apron. Again, John Collins at $25 million. Do the Suns only need to just add another $6 million to the um to the trade out basically sending out 36 million and john collins coming back at 25 or do you have to spin it off and add a third team to make the money work on the atlanta side just pretending they could do it yeah if atlanta could get themselves under the apron uh you need to add a little bit bigger of a deal that's one more pain um where craig doesn't necessarily work but you could do sham it uh there and that 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 would work now on the Hawks side, the challenge is they'd only be sending out $25 million. They'd be bringing in about 30, call it almost $40 million, right. um, assuming you know, Aiden's there. So that that becomes, and they have to add money. So you're you're right. You're probably then you're looking at our, what's a third team we can find and all that. And that's even assuming, again, that they can get below the tax apron. Yeah. So that's twice now that we've said, even if Atlanta could do it, they would have to spin off somebody like, Okongu or someone like that that they don't want to spin off to another Correct. team for nothing to make it all work. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you know what? I really appreciate your time. I don't want to keep you too much <laughs> sure. longer here. Um, well, I this one's hard to talk for through. sure. Yeah. I needed to talk through the basic um, ideas here on on what who DeAndre Ayton could go for and who they can't. But basically, here's the bottom line, folks. And, and Keith, add to this if I, if I have an incomplete list. 
don't um, try to sign and trade him to somebody who's over the tax, basically in the luxury tax, because they're almost certainly locked in by that apron. That also means don't do a double sign and trade back to the Suns because sign sign and trading Aiden puts him in. So you can't do Miles Bridges from Charlotte, for example, mm -hmm. because the Suns won't be able to take him back because doing a sign and trade with Aiden on the way out puts him over the cap on the uh, over the apron. So don't do double sign and trades. Don't do don't use teams on the luxury tax already. Um, the Suns are most likely, if they wanted to trade him, they're going to have to trade him into space or somebody with a lot of space that they can maneuver with. So you're talking the Pacers, the Spurs, and the, and the um, Pistons are, are like the most likely trading partners. And then what are you doing? I mean, do you really want Jeremy Grant coming back for a year and then wanting $25 million a year going forward in his 30s? And he's already unhappy with it, with it. You know, he wants a bigger role. He doesn't want to be a fourth option anymore because he wants the money for a first option that I don't know if Jeremy Grant's a good fit. Let me add one last little thing. And I'm sorry to keep you, but, um, 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 the Spurs, they have a lot of cap space. They've got a guy, Jakob Pertle that could reasonably fit role wise on as a center and in an offense. So you wouldn't mind benching him if you wanted to go small. Um, someone threw out, I forget who I saw it, Keldon Johnson. I think it maybe is Hollinger, uh, Keldon Johnson and, and Jakob Pertle um, for, uh, you know, a sign and trade on DeAndre Aiden. What do you think of that kind of thing? Yeah, that's similar-ish to the to the Pacers scenario where you'd yeah. be sending some salary plus using your cap space to make up the the imbalance. I I Keldon Johnson's one of my favorite guys in the league, so yeah, yeah. I don't know that I would go go there, but to make the numbers work, they've got a whole bunch of different guys. They could do Devin Vassell. They could do um, you know Zach Collins. They, they could do uh, you know yeah, I mean. Yeah, Romeo Link for Joshua Primo. There, there's any number yeah. of ways that they can get there to make the numbers work. Um, so that part of it, I I have no you know issue with at all. Um, because yeah, obviously Pirtle would be a part of it because you don't you don't need Aiden and Pirtle um in a deal. So yeah, so I that that's one that you know Pistons, Pacers, Spurs, those all make a lot more sense sense to me. Um, and then one team I think could maybe potentially be just a sleeper in all this is Portland just because we'll see you know what direction the, the trailblazers are going to go but they they would likely have to go the cap space route to be able to do that because otherwise as you you very well laid out getting into double sign and trade stuff just it's not workable because of where the suns are at with the apron bringing somebody back um you know that 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 imbalance you know that this is it really does make it tricky to make these kind of kind of trades Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Keith. I really appreciate your time today. Um, and uh, tell us where we can find you around the web. Yeah, you can find my work. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Uh, be forewarned, I tweet a lot, uh, especially during these finals games. Um, and then, uh, but if you're interested in free agency stuff and all that, I'll be uh, you know heavily involved and in all over that as we get into the draft and then free agency. Um, the then written work, you can find me over at Spot Track, uh, where we're chugging along with our off-season preview series. We're about twenty-five-ish teams, maybe or so in um, on those off-season previews. Uh, the last handful are are coming, so we've got like the Bucks, the Suns, the uh, you know uh, the Heat, the the Mavericks, Celtics, and Warriors. I think left. Um, so we'll we'll see you know where we land on those and when those all come out. Um, but that's uh, you know there, and then I wrote all about the under Aiton 
um, and what could happen mm-hmm. um, with him and his next contract on spot track as well um, there. And then if for some reason you're listening to this and you're super interested in Celtics specific coverage, you can find me on Celtics blog. And if you like this kind of stuff where we break down contracts and really get deep into the CBA nerdy stuff, uh, Trevor Lane and I host our own show called NBA front office show. And you can check us out there and we spend a lot of time uh, talking all this sorts of stuff on that yeah. show. The front office show podcast is great. You guys got to check it out. Uh, and definitely um, um, uh, on Twitter, you're a great follow as well. I love your cap knowledge. I love what you, um, how much you know about the league and the fact that you're, you know, you're so in tune with all of them and so ready with these numbers even today without a ton of <laughs> prep. So thank you so much. Do I have my spreadsheets? <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and I, I really do appreciate it. I'll have you on. I, I'd love to have you on again as free agency is, is um you know whatever happens what unfolds if we get some huge aiden rumors things like that or other rumors one thing i noticed that you guys are you said you're about to post your um son's off off season preview coming up soon um the Suns have a ton of tradable contracts not just Mm -hmm. deandre aiden we're all so focused on aiden but a ton of other guys between five and ten million very tradable eminently tradable um could be aggregated together in the right trade to get the right kind of player. Um, and I hope you cover that. So watch out for Keith and he'll talk about all that stuff. Cause that's, that's where I get most of my ideas from. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, folks, this week, I also did a podcast with James Plowright covering uh, different Aiden to Charlotte trades. So if you're interested in Terry Rozier or Gordon Hayward, or anybody on the Charlotte roster, you might be interested in this and whether Charlotte can even take Aiden or if they have anything worth it in a trade. So have a listen if you're interested. Buzz City! It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets, and you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports illustrated welcome to the latest edition of the stinger on the all hornets podcast network um today's episode we're looking for a little bit of an off-season preview and i'm joined by writer at sb nation's bright side of the sun and podcast host of the sun solar panel dave king to talk all things deandre ayton um dave thanks so much for joining us today Oh, I appreciate being on the show. Thanks. Yeah, I expect um, there's going to be a lot of teams who are at least going to kick the tires on this Aiden thing. It's so polarizing, uh, so it's always fun to talk through. But it's almost as complicated as it is polarizing, and we'll talk about the complications on any Aiden trades as we get into this. Yeah, it, it definitely is, and that's why I wanted to have yourself on, an expert in all things Suns, so we can get into some of the details there. Um, yeah. I guess w- one of the things that really triggered this was, and, you know, the eight and rumblings have been out there since the Suns uh, dropped out the playoffs, but the, the thing that really triggered it was today, John Hollinger had a article in The Athletic, um, kind of looking at really through the lens of the Detroit Pistons, potential trades for DeAndre Ayton. And in that, he dropped the quote that he now feels it is more than likely than not that Aiton will not be on the Suns next year, which I'm not saying that's any breaking news because that's kind of been speculated for a while. But did, did that did that kind of catch your eye? Was was that kind of unexpected from yourself? Not unexpected. No, actually, let me uh, give you from the Suns' point of view how this has all unfolded. Uh, with Aiton as a 22 year old in his first playoffs a year ago, 
Uh, he appeared to have dispelled all the concerns that he would not show up at playoff time, that he would be played off the floor potentially at playoff time. All the concerns pretty much on, on DeAndre Ayton looked to have been uh, uh, resolved and questions answered in last year's playoff run where the team, the Phoenix Suns, made the finals for the first time in 28 years and only the third time in a 54-year franchise history. So coming off of that, uh, he, he showed that he could play, he could stay out there in a small ball against a small ball lineup, which is incredibly important if you're DeAndre Ayton because you have to be able to move your feet enough and be able to stay in front of guys enough to uh, stand, you know, to survive out there on the perimeter on a five out offense like the Clippers did in the Western Conference Finals. And he did very well, and, which is great because on the other end, He's so much bigger than anybody. And in the paint, when, when they do drive into the paint, he's there to stop guys from, from scoring in the paint. So he appeared a year ago like uh, what the Jazz always wanted Rudy Gobert to be. And, and he, well, Rudy Gobert has won two Defensive Player of the Year titles, I believe now, but he's always in the playoffs been exposed as somebody who gets lost in, in no man's land. Uh, once a team goes small and that's how the jazz lost so many times in a row. And just today we also saw Quinn Snyder just walk away and say, I give up. You guys need a new voice. It's not going to work. <laughs> he just walked away from the jazz. So anyway, that was a year ago, a year ago, Deandre Ayton appeared to be the guy that fans, all the jazz fans always wanted out of Rudy Gobert. A guy who could stay on the floor. He even showed himself well against Giannis Antetokounmpo even though he was on an island against Giannis in the Bucks scheme and the Suns didn't do anything to alleviate Aiton at all. They played him basically 40 minutes a game, mirroring Giannis's minutes. Uh, he, he did survive okay, but he wasn't great. And that was his worst showing last year. So I'm just talking about a year ago as it looked like all the questions were answered. Number one overall pick originally from 2018, Luca had never made it out of the first round, all this stuff. It seemed like the Suns had the right guy. And a year ago, they declined to extend him. They declined to extend him for his max. And what the max is basically for the number one overall pick is about $30 million a year plus 8% uh, raises for the next five years. This was a year ago. The Suns are, are well-managed on the cap. They, they were sure they had to re-sign some guys and all that. But when you're a finals-bound team, when you're a team trying to win a title, it's okay to be in the luxury tax. Luxury tax is simply a penalty against the owners for spending more money than their peers want to do. Uh, and, and so there's, and there's some rules on, on roster limitations, but they already started using those as if they were going to be in the luxury tax. For example, only using half of the mid-level exception last year for JaVale McGee that when people were wondering why the Suns only, sorry if I'm rambling here, but I'm trying to explain the position. Um, the Suns only spent half their mid-level exception on JaVale McGee last year because luxury tax teams are only allowed to spend half of that. It's called the, the tax MLE, which is half of the, or, or just slightly over half of the full mid-level. The Suns did everything a tax team would do uh, without going into the tax last year. So they could, pr they proved that they could do it. They signed JaVale McGee for extra backup, all this stuff. And it looked like they should have extended DeAndre Aiden. And they just decided, no, we don't want to. And the reason the Suns gave without even negotiating at all was we don't want another designated max guy. Now, James, you know what the designated max extension is? 
all that, right? It's the guy who gets the the uh, five year yeah, the extension year. on his fifth year, and the and you can only offer the fifth year if you give max money. So, so you can't give a twenty million dollar a year five year contract. It has to be, in last summer's case, thirty million plus eight percent plus all this, and you become this designated rookie max. The Suns already have one of those in Devin Booker. You could only, any one team can only have two at a time. So the reason James Jones gave for, well, DeAndre Ayton's camp wouldn't consider anything less than that. We don't want to cap ourselves on the ability to acquire a guy during his, because that designated max lasts the entire length of the contract. If they want to acquire another guy like Devin Booker in his age range, they didn't want DeAndre Ayton to be the reason they couldn't. I took that as, well, they just want DeAndre Ayton also, right? Because otherwise you'd have to trade Ayton. Um, so it sounded like good like management, but uh, Ayton's team, obviously, uh, was not happy with that. Uh, he played out the season. The Suns, uh, now the Suns do have all the control on restricted free agency. Now he wouldn't be designated anymore, even if they offered the max. Um, although they can't go five years, um, I think. But that's the thing is, is, is now that they have that cap off of the ability to sign him, they could sign him to a max, but the word out of everyone is that the Suns would rather not. They don't, they agree with most everybody else that you don't give max money to a center. Um, and they, because he is, he's got limited playability and this playoffs eight, <coughs> Aiden for some reason, excuse me, Aiden for some reason proved it. He proved it by ultimately being unplayable against the Mavericks of all teams. And Luka Doncic, the, the guy he wasn't a year ago, the guy he was a year ago, fought through all of that stuff, played through all that stuff, played great. This year, he played like the guy everyone was worried he would play like, which is, hey, look, I, I want to get my offensive numbers. I'm not quite as concerned about rebounding. and I'm not quite as concerned about um, being able to you know, do anything the coach wants me to do which was concerning and is concerning for the sun. So, um, and this is all just from watching as things happen, right? Obviously James Jones does not come out and say, I don't want to get, I don't want to keep Deandre Aiden, but word around is like John Hollinger is hearing that if the Suns can stay on a title path at the end of this summer, they'll trade Aiden to do it. How do you do that is very complicated, but, they, if they, they would trade Aiden if they can keep a title contender in place. That I, I, I'm 100% sure of. And the only mechanism for them to do that is through a sign in trade because the Suns don't have any cap space. So essentially any, any deal with right. them, we either signing and trading Aiden into a team with cap space or signing and trading with another team and then taking back money from right. the other team. And, and like you said... The key thing here with the Suns is, you know, expiring contracts and draft picks isn't getting anything done. Like, right. like you said, it's got to be something that keeps Phoenix in that upper echelon of the West and on that championship path. So there's two, right. There's two possibilities here. Now it's okay. So we can get into the complicated part on the, on an eight and trade overall in a sec. But the first thing is the first thing you said, James is absolutely right. The Suns have no other capability beyond the mid-level exception and minimum contracts to acquire new talent. If they just trade Aiden for expirings and picks, they, they, 
They can't just, or uh, sorry, if they just let Aiton walk, period, there's no ability to replace him. So they won't just let him walk. They won't no. let him sign just an offer sheet from a team with cap space. They'll, they'll match it and they'll keep him and they'll deal with it in six months or a year or whatever by trading him then. So if Aiden doesn't cooperate with the Suns and his folks and the, and the acquiring team doesn't cooperate with the Suns on a workable trade, they'll just match it and keep him. He's not, they're not going to let Aiden walk. So that's the first thing out the door. Aiden's not just walking away. And the second thing out the door is he's not going to just take his 16.25 million qualifying offer to become unrestricted a year ago. That has never worked out for any player to turn it into a max deal a year later. It just doesn't. And um, it's, it's just not going to happen. So, and Aiden's not going to give up guaranteed money. He's, he's as much interested as any 22 year old is in making the most money possible. He came from uh, a family of very little money uh, uh, from the Bahamas. He came over here and they spent all their money getting him into the NBA. He's going to, he wants to pay all that back. He wants to live the good life. He enjoys, he carries, he wears a half million dollar necklace around his neck to all of his post-game pressers. And so he's, he's not going to give away half next year's salary just to sign a qualifying offer and then cross his fingers for a year from now. So those two things are out the door. He's not going to sign for the one-year qualifying. He's not going to be let walked, let allowed to walk away for free. So the only option is the Suns keep him or they sign and trade him. And, and really, if you're going to stay a contending team, you have to get some kind of value that, that adds up to a contending team with him gone. That doesn't mean the eight and trade itself would be one-stop shopping for contention, uh, but it does mean it would have to bring back player or players or picks that could be used in a trade for a top 10 player alternately. Now, there's rumors that Kevin Durant would like to play with Devin Booker. There's rumors that LeBron James would like to play with Devin Booker. Both players are kind of on their outs with their team because they didn't make either, uh, in LeBron's case, didn't even make the playoffs. And in Kevin Durant's case, got swept. Um, nothing worked out for either guy the way they thought it would be, they thought it would work out. There's rumors those two would like to force a trade to the Suns, similar to the way Chris Paul did a year ago. If that's the case, the Suns are probably going to backdoor negotiate what do you need back in a trade for one of these guys. And then that's going to be the rules on a date and sign and trade. Because here's the other thing is Aiden cannot be traded directly for, to either of those teams. They're both in their own salary cap situations where they yeah. cannot accept a sign and trade player and in the first place, period. And um, even if they could acquire Aiden. And then the other complication on Aiden sign and trade is he's only worth half his contract going out from the Suns as he is going into the other team and their salary matching issues. And so you'd have to include a third team and all this. But even before all that's considered, Brooklyn cannot take Aiton in a, in a trade period because they are hard capped. They cannot do a sign and trade acquisition. So from how I understand it and how John Hollinger laid it out, that DeAndre Aiton in a sign and trade essentially counts for 19 million. Um, mm. Now, obviously you'd be. It's 15. It's half of the, if, if he got the three thirty point seven five 30.75 on, a, on the first year max, and you count half of that and then the 25% allowance, I think, for matching, that's what gets you to the 19-ish yeah. million. Right. 
so trading him, if you were to sign him to a, you know, whatever contract, that creates some challenges. So I just want to check like some of the names. So I, I'm presuming all these guys would be available to be packaged with Aiton in the right deal. And I just want to float them past you before I start, yep. you know, before we start spitballing some ideas of how Charlotte may or may not be able to get into the Aiton sweepstakes. So we'll start down at the bottom campaign, 6 million per year. I presume he is someone whose sons would be open to packaging with Aiton. Yeah, the great thing about the contract, all the contracts you're going to mention, at least probably I'm guessing the first yeah. half a dozen contracts you're going to mention, where you could almost sit there in James Jones's office with his management team and, and say, they'd sign this for a tradable contract, tradable contract, yeah. tradable contract, tradable contract. Every single contract you're going to bring up yeah. is only guaranteed for one more year. Correct. So that's campaign at six. Saric at 9.2, Shamit at 9.5. I think that's for maybe three more years, though. And two. then Crowder for two more years. Shamit's then, the only one who goes two years okay. guaranteed. And then Crowder for 10 per year. So there's there's a lot of other guys you can package there. But at the same time, if you're packaging, I don't know, Aiton and Crowder, that's a lot of your playoff rotation minutes, which you're sending away there. So I, I, I'm guessing again there that Crowder is the most valuable of, of those names uh, put out there. So... He might be the least attractive, but he's definitely one of the most available. Yeah. Yeah. So when we come to Charlotte, like the Suns are going to have the pick of probably teams across the league. You've got Detroit, the Spurs, other teams are interested. You being Phoenix Suns GM, playing James Jones for a minute. Let's just start here. When you look at the Charlotte's roster, what entices you or at least brings you to the table of, I want to have that conversation with Charlotte about what's interesting. Is, is there anything? Is there any starting point? Or is it straight from the outset? Do you just not see anything on that roster and go, I, I just don't see how anything could work here? Yeah, I am looking at Charlotte's roster right now. Uh, the first thing is that um, I don't believe, and I'm not entirely sure, but I'm 99% sure, there cannot be a double sign-in trade of Miles Bridges for DeAndre Aiden. So it's just not going to happen. Bridges is going to want more because he's going to have to agree to that. He's going to want more than what he's allowed to do. And then the Suns won't want to hard cap themselves as a returning a sign and trade player. So that's one guy I want to take off the table, even though mm. he would be attractive yep. as a potential acquisition guy. Um, I don't see that, that happening. I, I think on paper, that's maybe not a bad starting point, but like you say, the cap right. mechanisms in place in the CBA make that, just logistically almost impossible for both teams. Right, right, right. I mean, they could, they could, they could probably literally do it if they really wanted to, if uh, Miles Bridges would accept a figure that's in the 18 million range a year, which he probably doesn't want to have to. Um, if, um, um, sorry, and if both teams are okay with being hard capped beyond that, because once you acquire a sign and trade player, you become hard captain. You cannot do it again, which is but the Nets have already done that and they cannot do it again. So um, <clears throat> that's, that's a limiting factor. So I don't think bridges, even though he would be probably the most attractive money and youth and talent wise mm. that you'd be willing to give up. I think that would be, uh, that's not going to work. So um, who else do you want me to look at next? Or do you so, want me to bring So, I, I mean, I've got a couple of other options out here for you, which, I mean, when I was going through and prepping to this, I, I think these are difficult. Like, I think 
to be honest, the Suns can find better deals out there. And, and that's fine. But, but you know, Hornets fans want to go through this process. We want to, to understand yep. what logistically sure. can be offered. So uh, another one I've got here, Gordon Hayward is going to be involved here a couple of times. So you've got something which is like Gordon Hayward plus number 13 for Aiton and then like Saric and Payne. So you kind of, you, you, you top up that 18 million of Aiton with Saric's and Payne's um, contracts and you get, get up to that Gordon Hayward figure around 30 million. And then the, the Suns will also get the 13th pick in this year's draft, which essentially there you're flipping out your starting center for another wing. Um, Gordon Hayward's value is by no means the greatest right now. I, you know, the only way I think this could potentially get better is you add more picks. But like we said at the start, unless Phoenix have another deal lined up where they can send on two first round picks from Charlotte onto someone else for Jeremy Grant as well, or, or something like that. I don't know if those 13 and 15 plus Hayward one doesn't make sense for Phoenix or one doesn't make sense for Charlotte. Oh, you're on mute, Dave. Sorry. Sorry, I was looking at the cap. Um, okay, so what you're basically saying, here's here's how that would have to work, the Gordon Hayward part for DeAndre Aiden, because Aiden only counts for half a salary going out. You're including Sharich and and uh, another player <clears throat> to get the money to add up. Um, the problem is the um, uh, let's see that would that would get the money to match for the Hornets side, but the Suns would not be able to take Hayward back because the Suns can only accept in a Dayton trade money that adds up to less than the 19 million. So because Hayward's a single contract, you can't break up his contract. So the only way it really works on an Aiton trade is to, is the Suns getting lesser individual contracts and then any salary differences being spun off to a third team into their cap space or into a trade exception. Okay. That's so what th also so this is good. So th this is why I wanted you on because I, I am yeah. learning through this too. So even though so Gordon Hayward is impossible, Terry Rozier, impossible. Yeah. Yeah. So even though Saric, Payne, and Aiton together add up to the figure, because they're only sending one player back, it, it doesn't work. And because Terrors is, if his extension hadn't kicked in this summer, which it just has, then he would have probably just about fit into the 18.9 figure. And if you remember, the Suns were all lined up to sign Terrors here the summer. Yeah. He ended up in Charlotte, ironically. Right. It, it, all, the, all the links was there. He was going to end up in Phoenix. And then all of a sudden, Charlotte... I wouldn't be side. surprised if James Jones st would still want a Terry Rozier. Now, Terry Rozier is a little bit closer he is. to the figure. Yeah, he's a little bit closer to the salary figure, right? He's not at exactly that 18.8, but um, the Suns could bring more back if they send a little bit more out. It's, there, there might be a, uh, there's something John Hollinger was talking about in his, his um, article that didn't jive with what I heard from someone else who's a real cap magnate who understands all this. And so I've got to reconcile that, but if you're within a few million, you could probably work out a third team in there and make it happen somehow with extra salaries one way or another. I, I, I don't know the exact details, but Gordon yeah. Hayward, there's no way to make that happen. Okay. But Terry but, Rozier, it might be possible. And like you said, James Jones was a, a fan of Rozier, but the, the elephant in the room is, 
They already have Chris Paul. They already have Devin Booker. Like, do they need another 6'1", 6'2", guard? Like, that's well, not that's really the problem, where... right? So the 6'1", yeah. 6'2", was the problem. Do yeah. they need another guard? Yes, because Chris Paul is now, after two years and going into his third, really starting to hit that wall, I think. Um, we only saw it for a five-game period, but it was a bad five games. Mm-hmm. And everyone's been waiting for it. And they for the next season, already, he's, Chris Paul's been hurt in two straight playoffs. They need a third guy in that ball handler rotation. So in that respect, Terry Rozier would be very welcome if he could fit on the roster. He's basically campaign, um, um, supersized campaign talent-wise. Uh, but but he's only 6'1". And the problem in the NBA playoffs, as you get deeper and deeper into them, you've got to be able to hide a guy like that. Um, and if you're trying to play him, sometimes next to Chris Paul, then that becomes a lot tougher to hide. Yeah. So, you know, for, for me, like I say, if Chris Paul was, was moved in another trade or ended up getting a long-term injury at some point this offseason, maybe then it makes a little bit more sense. But I don't think, and you probably don't think that's, that's likely right. to happen at all. Not Chris if you is... Chris on the team, that's true. Exactly. Yep. So I, I also think that means that Terry Zier is out. You can then get into names like, Kelly Oubre. Not going to happen. P- <laughs> you, no, I mean, you I don't know like what happened Kelly with Oubre them. Experience I loved him. No, no, <laughs> I loved him. The Suns didn't. They no. basically phased him out. They signed him to a contract that was eminently tradable. See, here's here's the thing. This is the this is the little Easter eggs that, that I've been adding up. The, the reason I think the Suns are going to go big this summer and get somebody who's in the top 10-ish range of NBA players. They did this two years ago. When Kelly Oubre was a restricted free agent, they re-signed him to a two-year, $30 million deal, 15 each year. That made his contract eminently tradable, along with Ricky Rubio, who they also signed um, uh, the year before that, to 17. And those added up to suddenly a guy like Chris Paul, right? You trade those two. So Kelly Oubre was only re-signed. For some reason, he rubs people the wrong way. And he was only re-signed for that tradability, um, but he was never the Suns' favorite. He was fan favorite, but he was never the Suns' front office favorite. Then I, I think there's a zero chance they reacquire him unless he's being yeah. immediately flipped or something else. Yeah, and he's just of such a different talent level. It's not even the same ballpark. The, the only guy who I actually think I really like for the Suns is P.J. Washington in terms yeah. of his style of play. But again, the problem here is that he's an expiring next summer. And if the Suns are wanting to save money, BJ is going to be earning a paycheck himself. Um, it's not going to be 30 million like Aiden, but it's probably going to be 10 to 20 million, something in that range, right. depending on this next right. season. Um, and again, like PJ for me is like a great sweetener. Like if it was a Rosé plus PJ or something of that nature, but like you say, then the money just gets too high. So I don't see any way that can work. So kind of after working through it, in terms of just straight up trade partners, people will climb up for DeAndre Ayton, especially if he's taking meetings. Hornets fans are going to be doing it, but we've gone through the list here. Uh, unless there's something I've missed, there is nothing that imminently seems doable with the kind of the information that we've got at hand at present. Yeah, I agree with you. There is, there just doesn't seem to be anything doable either. Um, PJ Washington would be a, uh, a guy who, who likely could very well fit in the Suns rotation if, if, if they, as they move away from Jay Crowder. So here's the other thing. Now, Aiden, I'm pretty sure you're, I agree with you. <clears throat> no way Aiden gets moved 
to the Hornets in a sign and trade just isn't going to happen. But if the Hornets are looking to swap out uh, players, um, certainly a PJ Washington would be interesting. Um, I don't know. We'd have to look back at the, each team's roster and all that on trades, but we, we'll talk about that another time today. You were only talking about Deandre. Aiden. I just don't see that happening. No, I agree, but really useful to have you on Dave um, to get your insight into this. Like we say, because of the cap minutia, it is a complicated subject and it's, like some fans see it simple as Aiton is a free agent. Charlotte should get him. Yeah. And I, I wish it was that simple. Um, it would make life a lot easier trying to explain it to people. But but as we've seen that, it's not. But um, Dave, I, I really want to say. What you can hope for. Yeah, I appreciate it. What, what you can hope for possibly is the Suns keep Aiden mm-hmm. at the 30 million. And they're so sick of him being in and out of, of uh, consciousness some days that they want to trade a mid season and then suddenly Gordon Hayward's and they're, they're hundred percent match. They're a perfect match salary wise or miles but bridges not this summer or miles bridges after you guys keep miles bridges. Cause you don't want to do a sign and trade with anybody else. And then you realize that's not your perfect, right? Exactly. Six months from now trade deadline miles bridges for Deandre Ayton could be very fun. Miss I just Island. don't see it possibly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, and that, that's a great point. And we, we saw that in that summer of the cap spike where you had guys like Mozgov and Biombo, obviously, oh who's gosh. now on the Suns. They all that's ended right. up getting traded for each other because the only guys mm-hmm. who was bad at contracts and had the same matching salaries were the guys signed in that cap spike <laughs> summer. Um, yeah. So slightly different, obviously, situation here, but um, definitely something to monitor because, like you say, it does seem DeAndre in his whether it's just a, a, a short-term thing, but doesn't seem the happiest from... from well, no, he's just got to grow up. That's it. I mean, I love DeAndre Aiden as a person. I've, I've talked to him several times, obviously only professionally, not personally, but I've talked to him several times. He's a cool guy. He's a chill guy. I asked him one time, what would you be doing if you weren't playing basketball? He'd say, well, I'd be walking on the beach. You know, that's it. He's so chill because he's from the Bahamas. So chill. And the problem is he still sees himself as like a 19 year old at heart kind of thing. He stays up all night playing video games, which is the, I don't, okay. This is a perfect insight into DeAndre. Not that he plays video games into the wee hours of the night, like 90% of young males do in this world, but that he, he bragged about it in an interview during the 2022 playoffs and said, he's doing it then during the playoffs. I mean, He's a little dense is what I'm saying. He's not really well practiced as far as what plays well in the media. And he's and so, and, and so he admits he's real, right? He doesn't have platitudes. He doesn't say, do it, give him my best, blah, blah, blah. And then doing yeah. the opposite. He tells you what he's actually doing. The problem is he needs to grow up a little bit. If he gets his mind right and refocuses like he did in the 2021 playoffs, where it's just all about basketball and, and doing the best he possibly can for everybody else on the team, um, he could be really great, but uh, he's already really, really good, but he could be really great if he ever really focused. And that's what's frustrating. And I think um, uh, the Suns would love to have him just be a refocused Aiden. Uh, that would be ideal. I agree. And um, I really enjoyed watching the Suns team emerge from bubble to now to being a championship contender. It's been really refreshing to have them back up in the NBA. So I, I hope it works out. A positive way because I'm I'm pulling for Phoenix. Um, great team to watch. I want Chris Ball to banish the ghosts of the past that haunt him. Um, we're all pulling for that. So um, yeah, I, I look forward to following the Suns 
Uh, coming up, if there are any more Suns, Hornets rumors that pop up at any time, we'll, we'll definitely be having you on again. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Man. All right. Thanks, Dave.